Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Brain Meets Mind. Today, we are tackling a topic that has been extremely important, as you know, with the pandemic and with vaccinations being on the rise with COVID-19. So, since my last episode, the U.S. surpassed its total number of positive COVID-19 cases by the total number of vaccinated Americans. Now, this is huge, especially when it comes to acquiring herd immunity as a population and as a country. With so many episodes on COVID, I realized we have yet to talk about the role of the nervous system in immunity. How do we recognize foreign pathogens? How do we detect where in the body an infection might be? What steps are taken to fight off a pathogen before it can cause damage? You'll find all of these answers and more in today's segment. Here we go. It just so happens that I'm wrapping up an immunology block in school at the moment, and so a lot of this is still fresh in my mind. I also came to a realization that despite there being so much information about COVID infection, vaccination, etc., there are still so many misinformed Americans who still think that once you're vaccinated, you're free from further infection. So I thought this called for a conversation, and along the way, I'd teach you a little bit about the neuroscience of immunity as well. I'm going to keep this nice and simple because I know I have a diverse audience that's trained in many different fields, and I want to make sure that everyone's able to understand this. All right, so let's start with the science. It's common knowledge that the brain is the command center of the body, but when it comes to the immune system, it's more of a recipient of signals from various immune cells rather than the originator of that instruction. In our immune system, we have various signaling molecules that are tied into our defense mechanisms. For example, we have certain proteins and molecules called cathelicidins and defensins in our skin that can help destroy pathogens like bacteria at the surface before they're able to penetrate deep into the skin and eventually into our bloodstream. We have similar cells in our lungs called alveolar macrophages that consume debris before they can harm us. When these molecules detect pathogens, they create a signaling cascade and release molecules called cytokines that trigger immune responses. In the brain, we have cells called microglia, which serve a similar function as the debris-eating cells in the lungs, those alveolar macrophages that we talked about. Microglia in the brain make up 10 to 15% of all cells in the organ, and they serve as the primary immune defense within the organ. The brain is also lucky because it has an added benefit of a physical defense mechanism called the blood-brain barrier that we've talked plenty about before. So in between having cells that can consume debris and having a physical structure that prevents entry of foreign pathogens or other harmful chemicals or molecules into the brain, it's certainly well protected. 
All right, so now that we have a basic understanding of immunity, for a second, let's put the brain structure and the microglia aside for a second, and let's focus on those signaling mechanisms that I talked about earlier, especially with regard to the cytokines triggering an immune response. If you've been lucky enough to receive a vaccine, you may have experienced the effects of getting two doses, especially if you received the Pfizer Biotech or the Moderna vaccines, depending on where you are in the world. According to the CDC, side effects from the first dose have been more minimal compared to the side effects from the second dose. While word has spread of people getting the second vaccine and being in bed for three days with a very high fever, that's triggered a lot of fear in the community as well. I know a lot of people personally who've been hesitant to get the second dose or hesitant to be vaccinated at all because they're afraid of being so sick for such a long time. And what's important to remember here is that you're not actually being injected with the virus. Rather, it's the genetic material that would come with the virus. And by presenting that genetic material to our immune cells, we're helping them develop a sense of memory so that if we were to be exposed to the real virus, we would be less likely to develop disease. As far as that memory component goes, when we're first exposed to a pathogen of some kind, our immune system learns about it, and then it creates its own memory. They're literally called memory cells, so that the next time the pathogen is reintroduced, we have a stronger response to eradicate the infection. And that's why most of the reactions to the second vaccine have yielded more moderate symptoms like fever and chills compared to the initial headache or soreness at the site of the injection from the first dose. Now keep in mind that drugs and vaccines and anything that we put into our bodies affect people in different ways. These vaccines are effective, they're scientifically proven to be, but it's not necessary that when you get the second dose, just because someone else was in bed with a fever for three days, the same will happen to you. So I would certainly say that it's important to take all of this subjectively and realize that it's so much better to be sick for a few days from a vaccine that won't actually cause disease rather than to potentially even develop disease from the real deal. With that basic understanding in mind, it's so important to consider the process of infection. So now let's pretend we're all vaccinated. Now what? Despite CDC guidelines, there's a ton of misinformation as far as protection from the vaccine goes. If you are completely vaccinated, meaning you've received both doses, at least in the United States so far, you can still test positive. And if you can still test positive for COVID-19, if you're in that infectious period, you can also give it to other people. And that's why it's still so necessary to wear a mask. I cannot emphasize this enough because I've heard people here where I live in Florida saying, I've already been vaccinated, so I'm less likely to get it. But there's people around you that may not have gotten it. And I don't think a lot of people realize that there's a ton of people in the population that are unable to get the vaccine, not just because they don't have access to it, but also because they may be immunocompromised to the point that even a vaccine could trigger some type of reaction that might not be good for their health. So that's incredibly important to remember, especially as we talk about herd immunity. I'm sure you've also heard of people saying, I got the flu vaccine and still got the flu. And that's because, first of all, these vaccines aren't 100% effective and vaccines don't prevent infection, they can prevent disease. I said that earlier and I'll say it again. Vaccines don't prevent infection, they prevent further disease. 
And with that, let's be sure that we're all doing our part to stay healthy, not only for ourselves, but also for those around us. That's all for today's episode, y'all. I'd really love to know what you think and how you can relate to some of the ideas that we talked about. If you've experienced similar side effects or had similar experiences with fear in the community, depending on where you live, I would love to hear about that as well, especially because I know a lot of you live in different parts of the world, not just in the United States. My DMs are always open for you, as you know. And one last thing, if you need any more information on either COVID-19 infection or the vaccines, be sure to check out the CDC website. They have all the resources you could possibly need. In the meantime, I hope you have a wonderful week and I will see you very, very soon for a brand new episode.